You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, I'm Satya Santanam from Mint's personal finance team. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money. For this episode, our guest is Saurabh Mukherjee, founder of Marzilis PMS, who is going to share how he goes about investing his personal money. He believes that equity is the only asset class that sees significant compounding over the long term. Known for his coffee can style of investing, Saurabh allocates 90% of his personal investment portfolio to equities and just 10% to debt instruments, that too in fixed deposits for emergencies. He's also a NPS, National Pension Scheme enthusiast due to the tax benefits and low fee structure that the product comes with. I catch up with Saurabh to ask him about how he manages his personal finances. A small caveat before we get into the conversation. Personal finance is very personal. Each investor has their own preference and risk appetite. Do your own research before investing. The information shared in this podcast is only for educational purposes. Now, without any further ado, let's invite Saurabh Bukherjee. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. Hi, Saurabh. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Satya. Sure. Uh, Saurabh, last time when we spoke to you about your uh, personal finance uh, journey, you told that you invest about 90% in equity and about 10% in debt. And you also said that you are not a very big uh, fan of debt products. Uh, just want to understand how it has it changed in the last couple of years, and um, you know how do you look at uh, equity at this juncture? No, look, Satya, it's, it's been it's been the same. It's been the same throughout my most of my working life, especially after my wife and I became parents around fifteen uh, years ago. We keep that ten percent in debt. Basically, these are fixed deposits. Uh, these are fixed deposits. That's our that's our kind of rainy day corpus. That's our safe harbor in case uh, in case uh, something goes really badly wrong in our lives and we need a lump of cash quickly. I've really ne- never thought of debt as a as a kind of investment avenue. I've just uh, we use debt as a as a kind of rainy day fund, and the only investment, uh, only compounding, only asset that I think really compounds for people like us is equity. Uh, in in India, neither gold nor real estate really are. long term compounders so equity is 90% and debt is 10% it's been like that for the last 10 15 years could you also talk about other investment classes like uh, you know what's your view on real estate gold and maybe unlisted equity as well so look i mean we own the house we live in satya we own the house we live in but beyond that i honestly don't think i i can ra- make a rational case for owning um, residential real estate in india right rent rental yields Rental yields in cities like Mumbai, Delhi, Bangalore. Rental yields are two, three percent. The cost of a home loan is seven and a half percent, and therefore it makes no mathematical sense uh, unless there is some rampant appreciation in real estate prices. Uh, it makes no rational sense to own residential real estate as an asset class. Uh, we own the flat we live in, but that's about it. Um, um, even commercial real estate, uh, you're getting rental yields of say six, seven percent. um um and cost of borrowing is 7.58 so even commercial real estate commercial real estate is a better asset class than resi- residential real estate but uh again it comes with illiquidity it comes with liqu- illiquidity and and in, certainly in mumbai 
for prime commercial real estate the ticket sizes are so big that it's really beyond uh, beyond my wife and myself um, and therefore we stick to equities 90% but uh, you walk us through your have, um, uh, sorry to interrupt you could you walk us through your uh, home buying journey sure uh, uh, so we migrated to india in 2008 Uh, we had a bit of money when we came. Basically, I had sold uh, I sold my company in the UK when we migrated here. Uh, our son was six months old then. This was 2008. Uh, but when we got to India uh, in 2008, middle of 2008, uh, prices looked very high to us. Right? Again, I did the same maths. Uh, you compare the rental yield to the cost of borrowing, and if and the rental yield at that time the cost of borrowing Satya was I think nine ten percent, ten closer to ten percent. and the rental yield was you know some pathetic 2% so i said this is crazy makes no sense luckily for us satya the lehman brothers happened so luckily for us lehman brothers happened which is why why i had actually sold the company in the uk in the first place but thankfully lehman brothers resulted in um in residential real estate prices halving in the suburb of bombay where we had where we were renting at that point so 2009 2009 uh, September we bought exactly a year after Lehman Brothers we bought and uh, um, and you know that's that's been uh, that's been our main real estate investment ever since. Uh, 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 so by that time we were also parents of a of, of a daughter. So son was born in the in the UK, daughter was born in the suburb of Bombay, and we bought a basically a house for the family. Uh, uh, we were lucky that we. And we got in after the Lehman crash uh, because since then, since then, uh, prices went up for three, four years a little bit. But last ten years, last ten years, the price of the flat we live in in Bombay has appreciated by zero percent, zero percent appreciation. Thankfully, the mortgage was paid off a long time ago. Um, and I think one of the things I keep suggesting to people is if you do have a mortgage, pay it down as aggressively as you can. A lot of people believe that having a mortgage as a tax shield is a clever idea. I don't think the maths on that is particularly compelling. So we paid that, paid down the mortgage over five, six years, hmm. and um, so we own the, that real, bit of real estate. But that's our only real estate investment. So you preferred uh, repaying the mortgage loan uh, versus investments at that point in time. Can we? Say yeah, that? that's right. That's a good point. Yeah. So the so whilst we had that mortgage, whilst we had the mortgage, those five years, the priority was to pay down the mortgage because remember I'm talking about an era where cost of home loans was seven, eight. Uh, Nine, ten percent, closer to nine, ten percent, and uh, and therefore, therefore, if you think about it, right? Had we invested in the Nifty, we would have earned thirteen percent, but the uh, the cost of mortgage, uh, if you if you knock off from that capital, uh, if you knock off from that capital gains tax, uh, the cost of the mortgage wasn't wasn't uh, uh, wasn't too different from the Nifty return. So our point was, let's pay the mortgage down. And then that that once that and once we paid the mortgage down, our cash flows got freed up, and that then that's actually when my journey as a coffee can investor uh, using Rob Kirby's principles started, um, somewhere around 2013-14, uh, when we had enough cash to invest. Understand? There's always a debate about uh, buying a house versus renting a house. Uh, how is it for you? I mean, you always wanted to buy a house, or is it because of the family yeah. friends that you actually, uh, you know, bought a house? Uh, I think uh, that's a very, uh, very very sensitive question. Um, no, so look for for the first thirteen um, fourteen years of for the first ten years of marriage we didn't buy, and we were we were we were sort of you know just husband wife. Uh, we lived in a tiny flat in the UK. We lived in a tiny rented flat. Um, 
shortly after our son was born we migrated to india uh, but once we migrated to india once our son was born and once we knew our daughter was on the way we realized that with the family on the way the the the, the, the years of kind of living in tiny flats and changing flats every 2 3 years when the landlord gave us notice uh we felt we realized that that was not going to going to be viable anymore right and that's when the decision to buy really took place so so, so we we ended up the, the only first time we bought was in india in the uk we never bought a flat in fact in fact in the uk we never bought a flat again because i had done the maths in the uk that the uk housing market was overvalued uh it crashed uh, much like india the uk housing market crashed during lehman but the reason for buying was not so much a desire to you know avoid rents or have a property but more it was more that once you have little kids you can't shift every 2 3 years and most landlords tend to give notice every 2 3 years um and to avoid that we ended up buying in in, in pavai the suburb of mumbai where we live in sure sure uh if we also ask uh, you know what did you do uh, to get uh, to do the down payment so there must be some down payment heavy down payment that you you know you must have incurred yeah. so you booked profits up you said it's during this 2008 9 time yeah, so, so you so i sold so i sold my company in the uk in may 2008 anticipating lehman right so so uh, jan 07 is when we figured out that this trouble coming so through jan so 2007 we got our clients out of their investments in british equities i was at the time living in the uk uh, then we sold the company in the early months of 08 11th may 2008 is when i got paid for selling that company we moved to india the very next day actually and then um, we rented for the first year and a half and then when time the time came to buy uh, we made the down payment using the proceeds of my of the this, this, the, this the, the proceeds of selling the company in the uk and then we borrowed a little bit from a prominent indian home loan provider understand i think in your whole career journey there was uh, you you part of a business and then maybe you also worked as a salaried individual and also again into a proprietary firm how how, how did the personal finance journey evolved all these years so i think initial part of my life for a few years i worked for accenture the the giant uh, tech and consulting firm So when I was in Accenture I didn't know much about finance they had a corporate pension plan which I joined and I still am part of that corporate pension plan for Accenture it's actually a pretty good plan uh, managed by a uh, by a British uh, uh, index index fund provider yeah. so so the first 3 4 years was just joining the corporate pension plan as it is you know when you're 22 23 you're not earning a great deal of money uh, but we had some savings and we used to uh, invest in the corporate pension plan as it happened the corporate pension plan itself was an index index fund effectively it was an index fund so when we had a little bit more money we also decided to become indexers so uh, so it's interesting even though uh, at marcelus we manage money for the best part of 10000 indian families even though we manage money for the best part of 10000 indian families my first 3 4 years of investing my wife's money and my money was in an index fund this Then was in to- year what year This is 2000, 2001, 2001, 
and that's when i started uh, active investing uh, uh, in the uk uh, i set up a pension pot for myself with st james's place capital and within that pension pot so the reason you do that is in that pension pot you can then buy uh, you can make investments in a tax advantaged pot and that's when we uh, when i uh, when we started doing active investing with our savings um so 2004 5 6 7 active investing with our savings 2008 we sold clear capital migrated to india uh, 2009 we used the proceeds from selling clear capital to buy the flat in in suburb of bombay uh um by 2014 the 2014 the mortgage got paid off and 2015 we again started doing active investing but this time in india with uh, uh, the the rob kirby coffee can investing style being a big influence and it stayed like that it, once marcelus got created marcelus's portfolios basically became our our equity equity savings sports for portfolios understand when you started marcelus i'm sure that you know you would have actually taken a lot of your portfolio in other assets to you know invest in marcelus how did it feel like i mean because it's 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 like <laughs> most of your wealth taking out from yeah. somewhere and then investing in marcelus and did you think about diversification <laughs> i i know so you so believe in your why, part but so so you right so so we did a lot of thinking but here was the the maths behind it so the first thing we my wife and i decided so this is around 5 years ago when when we made these decisions actually when marcelus was being incorporated we said let's keep a rainy day pot that's the 10% debt so that was when that became really entrenched in my head that we have to have 10% in, uh, in debt as a rainy day pot then the second thing was that the uh, leaving aside whatever money we put inside marcelus's balance sheet to incorporate the business which was the best part of which was the best part of a million dollars actually but leaving that aside we said the equity pot the equity pot should be at least big enough to see our kids through university and and that's something that's you know still still foremost in our minds that children are in their mid teens so we will be incurring their university bills over the next 5 uh, 6 years and therefore the equity pot we look at it very carefully because that equity pot will effectively draw finance our children's education that equity pot is managed by marcelus um but it was structured in exactly that way that we 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 said everything barring the rainy day rainy day 10% in debt and everything barring the children's university education corpus we pumped into the marcelus balance sheet to to incorporate the business sure uh you are a active fund manager but i'm asking this question uh for someone who doesn't have much knowledge about uh, investing do you think index and passive uh, investing is the best way to go about it even warren buffett is asked this question and he said for his wife he suggests passive investing investing in index funds some vanguard fund so what do you say so, about it so look in, in coffee can investing we've said as much in coffee can investing uh uh, uh the, the book that we published in 2018 my colleagues and i have said as much that if you if you don't have a great deal of money to find an active fund manager and you don't have the expertise to find a good active fund manager say you have 30 40 lakhs um it's certainly worth doing passive investing look for a low cost passive fund from a reliable house and and start doing that as early as possible in your career right the earlier you do it the better the better it is uh it's only for people who i think have saved you know 50 lakhs at least 50 lakhs more more likely a crore plus that choosing a choosing a, a pms choosing an active fund manager becomes a relevant consideration 
but for pretty much i would say 90% of people people uh, uh, who will were reading reading uh, uh, your article i think uh, uh, index investing uh, uh, makes a lot of sense sure how do you go about retirement saving uh, sarav so so the maths we have done suggests that if my wife and i want to have say a retirement lifestyle from age 60 to age 85 say we want a retirement lifestyle of roughly 50 lakhs a year of you know spending post tax then the maths that we done so dcf maths we've done suggests that we need to have a retirement corpus of at least 20 crores so um, so the so once the kids are uh, once the kids are done with the university education in the next 6 years that will then be the uh, the next target to get to get that to get there at the moment the focus is on making sure that the equity pot is big enough to finance the kids at university education after that comes the creation of that retirement pot of at least 20 crores so that from age 60 to 85 you can have a reasonable life on 50 lakhs a year post tax sure sure you plan to retire in india or uh, you plan to go outside the plan would be to stay here uh, you know we enjoy living here if i believe it's a privilege to live and work in this country we'd love to love to retire here and uh, we actually didn't talk about the other asset classes uh, could you also give your opinion on other asset classes like gold and unlisted equity so look, gold a lot of people are I keep meeting people in india who are gold bugs they have this real fascination for gold in their mind gold is compounding at some great rate but the data doesn't show that right if you see the data on gold as an asset class over long periods of time it gives you around 8% which is meaningfully less than say the nifty long term return and gold's volatility is similar to equities and gold is positively correlated to equities so gold is neither giving you diversification nor is it giving you better returns nor is it giving you lower volatility so i don't quite see the fascination with gold um a lot of people say gold is a safe harbor asset there is very little proof of that there are plenty of financial crises and financial downturns where gold corrects in line with in line with equities so so we've therefore steered clear of gold um Uh, I explained why resi real estate makes no sense given how weak the rental yields in our country are. Um, that's it, really. The equity ninety percent within that equity piece, a fifth of our equity portfolio is international. These are the monies that I uh, that I left behind when when we moved to India. These are the pension pots from the years in the UK. We left that behind, and that continues to compound at a decent rate. Um, in fact, over the last twelve months, it's interesting. Right? In the twelve months to March twenty three. Uh, whilst our Marcellus investments were down 10%, our international investments were up 10. And uh, specifically, if I look at Marcellus's global compounders portfolio, Marcellus global compounders portfolio, it's up around 12% in the last six seven months. So, so as I get older, the the the, uh, the merit of having uh, uh, say a fifth to a third of our wealth in international equities. becomes much more apparent because there's a natural diversification typically typically what happens is when the fed hikes when the fed hikes rates the rupee depreciates right um uh, the sorts of investments marcellus makes tends to do poorly when the fed, uh, at a time of rising rates because the fed, fed is raising rates and the rupee is depreciating foreign investors tend to tend to be absent from the indian market and the sorts of stocks marcellus has tend to do poorly but in exactly that circumstance the international portfolio does well because when the rupee is depreciating in rupee terms 
uh, uh, the international portfolio does well. So unwittingly, you know, I, I won't claim this was massively done through del- deliberate design, but it's actually worked out nicely. But having a fifth to a third of our portfolio in overseas equities gives us a nice hedge that in the years, in say one out of five years, when Marcellus has a rough year, uh, when the Marcellus portfolio has a rough year, the overseas portfolio rises 10-15% and buffers are buffers are, uh, are overall compounding in that year. Could you give a geographical uh, breakup of your international exposure to equity? It's almost entirely American and European stocks, right? Uh, there is a, there's very little Far Eastern uh, uh, or Asian in it. Uh, the international portfolio is almost entirely American and Eastern stocks. Um, um, so you know, these are stocks like, and, and I, I stress again, these are the sorts of stocks that Marcellus's global compound is investing. These are stocks like Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Costco, uh, Nvidia, uh, and so on. Right. So these are uh, large global compounding machines, similar to the sorts of investments Marcellus makes in India, HDFC Bank, Asian Paints, uh, Titan. Uh, Pedalite, so on and so forth. Uh, by the way, my, my parents who live in the UK, so my parents live in the UK, a fifth of their monies are invested in Marcellus's portfolios in India. So my parents are 80% UK, 20% India. Um, uh, we live in India, our portfolios are 80% India, 20% America and American Europe. Sure. Uh, within the domestic uh, equity exposure, uh, within the Marcellus, is there any breakup that you want to share about uh, how much you're invested in different uh, schemes? Yeah, so within within our within our Indian investments with Marcellus, by the way, all our all our Indian equity portfolios are with Marcellus, with one exception. Um, uh, I'm an NPS investor. I think the National Pension Scheme is a very good investment construct. So all Marcellus employees are encouraged to join the NPS. And I am a very enthusiastic participant in the NPS. I think it's, uh, again, it's index investing inside a retirement pot. And uh, I, I allocate money to NPS every month. But if I look at our Indian equity pot, it's basically 60% large caps, uh, around uh, around 20% mid cap and 20% small cap. right? And, and that gives us stability, that gives us compounding. If I look at the last, say, last six years of following this construct where Marcellus manages my equity portfolio um, and, and the global portfolio is outside the country. Uh, if I look at my six-year compounding with this construct, we, uh, we would have compounded a net of fees at around net of fees at around the 18% mark, which is uh, significantly ahead of the index and a good outcome for good outcome for my wife and myself. And remember, yeah. this money is going to be used to finance the children's university education. Understand. Uh, you talked about NPS that you're an NPS enthusiast. Uh, could you elaborate on that point? Because uh, still a lot of awareness is required on NPS investment, which is a very good product. So, could you elaborate why you really like that product? Yes. Yeah, so, I think look, there's three uh, aspects to it, right? Uh, firstly, the employer contribution is uh, on the employer contribution. I get tax relief, right? So, so, so basically, part of my salary, my employer is paying into the NPS, and I get tax relief on that. Secondly, um, the fees are fees are low. In fact, even if I did an index fund, I would not be able to get this lower fee structure, right? Uh, um, thirdly, uh, excluding fees, there are no other operating expenses worth talking about, right? The fund manager is not advertising, nor are they charging, nor are they doing active trading and so on, right? So the fees are low. Um, uh, 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 um, my employer's contribution is tax free, and 
Finally, perhaps most importantly, right? You asked about retirement savings. The fact that till age seventy, I can't touch this money, right? That's the way the NPS is set up. I can't pull this money out. I think that's in a bizarre way. It's a good thing, right? Because it, it, it this pot of money will keep compounding for my wife and myself for the next twenty-five years, um, and and hopefully that means at age seventy, when we draw it down, it'll actually finance the last ten, fifteen years of our lives. Uh, could you give up? Uh, give give us a breakup, not breakup, but what's the exposure to the NPS in the dom- in the uh, domestic? Out of our equity corpus in India, so equity remember is ninety percent of our portfolio. Out of that ninety percent, one fifth is abroad. Domestic is uh, four fifths. So so out of that ninety percent, effectively effectively eighty percent of our total wealth is in Indian equities. Out of that, Satya, one fourth is NPS. Three fourths is Marcellus. One out of the equity portion in India, one fourth is NPS. Three fourths is Marcellus. Yeah. Uh, and you own the unlisted equity? Have you ever tried no, investing in? No, no, no. Just, you know, <laughs> I, I own Marcellus shares. Right? That's that's enough unlisted equity in my life. Okay. Um, okay. So it's like Aesop uh, here. I mean, owning the shares. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, in my case, it's I, uh, it's it's actual shares are the ESOPs, but I have some ESOPs in Marcellus as well. In fact, it's interesting point you make. Um, uh, this year, the current year, uh, uh, I've, I've, I've uh, actually given up some of my salary to to get more ESOPs in the firm. I, I, I wanted a bigger stake in the firm, and this year, the current year, I've given up some of my salary to get uh, ESOPs in the firm. But the bulk of my Marcellus. Uh, shares are out outright shares as opposed to ESOPs. Sure, sure. So, whatever portfolio allocation that you just uh, shared is uh, excluding the massless uh, investment or yeah, share yeah, in the massless. Yeah, yeah. Understand. Yeah, the reason I ex- I'm excluding that because that's unlisted. Um, you know, uh, there is a market within which we buy and sell from each other, and there's a couple of external shareholders who also uh, buy shares from us from time to time. But it's unlisted, and and um, and and, and it, you know. I think the the valuation of that is so big it will probably end up uh, if, if we discuss that that will end up overshadowing the the rest of the actual equity portfolio. But uh, but yeah, uh, uh, we, when we, when my wife and I do our discussions around our retirement planning or our children's university education, we don't really count the Marcellus shares because I uh, I don't think we plan to sell the Marcellus Marcellus shares. Um, for for several decades, we are hoping that the firm will continue going and the the Marcellus shares will continue accreting in value for several decades to come. So we don't really count those shares in our wealth planning. Sure, sure. And uh, this is a general question we ask in Guru Portfolio, but I think uh, in your case, I think uh, readers will also be very interested on this question on the performance of your entire uh, you know portfolio in the last one year. So, so the Marcellus bit, right? As is, I think, well known. The Marcellus bit of the portfolio was down ten percent in the twelve months ending March twenty-three, right? Uh, since then, in April, May, it's up twelve percent. But uh, but that in the twelve months ending March twenty-three, the tax year ending March twenty-three, the Marcellus piece was down ten percent. The international piece was up ten percent, and again, mirroring the global compounders, uh, Marcellus global compounders portfolios also. Uh, up, uh, in fact, it's up 15% in the last six months. Global compounders piece, um, um, but but in the year to March 23, the Marcellus portfolio was a drag on our overall wealth. If I take a six-year picture over the six years, net of fees, the Marcellus investments we have made has given us around 18%. 
18% returns. Um, and over those six years, our international investments, over those six years, our international investments have made us around uh, 10% uh, sure. per annum. This is as on March 2023. March 23. March yeah, March 2023. As on March 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is as of March 2023. Yeah. Yeah. So because so, you so are interesting, in- right? I am as interested as anybody else in Marcellus' performance because my entire life savings are in it. Yeah, so yeah. the fact that last, April May the portfolio uh, Marcellus's return Marcellus's portfolio has given around twelve percent uh, as on April May um, that makes my wife and me very happy. Uh, we're able to think about our children's future a little bit more uh, securely, and I think that's important, right? This is part and parcel of equity investing. If you want, if you want to do the best for your family, I think you have to take a degree of risk. Uh, uh, we are uh, our downside protection is that. Pot of debt, which is our rain safe harbor protection, the equity piece naturally will zigzag about. And if we get too worked up about it, that oh, the March, year to March 23, we were down 10%, let's now you know, reduce our equity exposure. That's exactly the wrong thing to do. Right? Yeah. Imagine had I redeemed had I redeemed on 1st April 2023, we wouldn't have benefited from the, the 12% rally in that same portfolio's performance in May, uh, May June. In April, May, sorry, in April, May 2023, right? So for 12 months, we went down. Yeah. 12 months to 23 went down. And then in April, May, we more than made up. We more than made up for that fall. Okay. If you have to say overall portfolio return, how much would it be? Overall, overall portfolio return is down 2%. So overall, my overall, our overall portfolio, domestic plus uh, global, was down 2%. Basically, we were, we were down, down on the global domestic piece. Uh, uh, up on the global piece, uh, up up in NPS. Our NPS did well. Our global piece did well. Our Marcellus yeah. shares were down percent, and overall we were down two percent, down two percent for the year. Okay, okay. And uh, you said your wife and you are investing together, and you are very, you must be very uh, clear about how this investing equity investing work works. And even when it is down, you do, you don't seem to put up much. Yeah. How about your wife? Uh, how do the discussions with your wife happen at home? How do you discuss your financial decisions with her? You guys talk a lot about finances. The main financial decision, uh, uh, in a way, she, think about her. She's the client, so to speak, and I'm the fund manager. So she says, you know, uh, how much will it cost to send the kids to study abroad? You know, uh, so we'll do the math on how much will it cost. Then she asks me, uh, 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 "Do we have? Do we? Will we have enough money to finance this?" And I have to, I have to sit down. We do the maths together on will we have uh, the relevant corpus to finance the children's overseas education. Um, uh, she doesn't question me on you know why did you sell Relaxo? That seems to be the question half the country wants to ask me. Uh, uh, neither do my parents. My parents are also clients of ours. Uh, they don't question me why did you buy why you know, why did you sell Relaxo? Um, um, but naturally, they're all human beings. My wife, my parents are human beings. When, when you tell them that we're down 10%, they tend to worry a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you tell them we are up 12%, they tend to feel a little happy. But uh, none of us are particularly, you know, fidgety people. Yeah. So so once a year we have once a year we have these discussions. Uh, my parents and I are about their finances, and my wife and myself about our finances. Once okay. a year we have the discussion, then we try not to think too much about you know the here and the now about how rich are we or how poor have we become. Uh, uh, it's more around what are we trying to achieve over the next five ten years. 
and are we in a position to finance those goals yeah. um, we live fairly frugal lives it's not as if our day to day lifestyle is incredibly uh, incredibly uh, cash consumptive and and therefore the the the, the thinking ongoing thinking about money ironically is minimal uh, beyond this once a year personal finance discussion sure understand uh, you have two kids uh, what is something that uh, you want to teach your kids about finance or already teaching them about finances so so the interesting thing is um they 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 uh, they read some of the books that i've written they read oh, some wow. of the books so they understand yeah uh, they understand some of them. my son is my son is uh, my son is 15 so he understands a little bit more my daughter's 13 she understands a little less but the interesting thing is my daughter's become a bit of a mini business woman herself so she okay. bakes she bakes cakes and cookies for her friends and she sells them at school so she's figured out you know how to generate free cash flow so every weekend we discuss how much free cash flow she's generated and how she can use that to grow her baking business further so it's interesting my daughter's coming at investing from the perspective of an entrepreneur my son is coming at investing from the person perspective of a of a of an analyst who reads books and tries to understand uh, investing um uh so my daughter my son's read peter, a few a couple of peter lynch books he's read coffee can investing That's i'm hoping he continues with the habit my daughter hasn't got to that stage yet but as i said she's already a, a mini entrepreneur and we've had several discussions on free cash flow and capex uh, between father and daughter sure sure lastly i mean uh, are there any uh, investments in art uh, anything as such as an unconventional uh, asset classes we have a few paintings at home or a few original paintings at home that we have bought uh but we didn't think of them as investments they just look nice and we bought those paintings uh i don't i don't know i don't think they're worth a lot a great, a great deal but they they look uh, they look pretty at home and, and they make the house feel nice and warm sure sure maybe you know just last one question uh sabra what is that something that you've realized in the last one year uh that either in terms of business or personally what is something that you've been uh, you know implementing in the last think, one year when you're younger you, when you're younger you sort of read these things in books as you get older you realize that you watch other people live their lives you live your own life and read 20 years ago satya and read 20 years ago warren buffett had said and i had read that that the stock market's main function is to transfer wealth from the impatient to the patient right and and in a way as i get older and i see you know thousands of our clients i i see that at work clients who fidget investors who fidget and you know, who are very fidgety short term oriented they end up making poor investment decisions and the calm patient calm patient clients who deal with you know life with equanimity they just end up benefiting from the impatience of the gt people um and then and once you absorbed that and understood that you obviously try to teach yourself as much patience as you can uh so that you know you're, you're on the right side of that equation but i think i think it's one of the most simple and most powerful sayings about investment stock markets main function is to transfer wealth from the impatient to the patient sure what do you do for your health health is well so i have a yoga instructor he comes on at 6 a.m in the morning uh four days a week um uh, so six to seven i have yoga instructor it's been very helpful uh you know uh, doing yoga with him learning yoga from him over the last three years and it's had a big impact. you don't miss it at all uh i don't miss no. what, what yoga yoga class Yeah, so so I, so the, the, yeah, I don't miss the yoga class. If I'm unless I'm ill, I don't miss the yoga class. 
and then uh, uh, beyond that one or two days uh, uh, per week i go to the gym uh, 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 so the yoga instructor is my main source of of health and fitness and i'm very glad that he's there because it made a big difference uh, to my life Yeah, sure. That's all from my side, uh, Saurabh. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks, Satya. Thank you very much for being this here. Take care. Thank you. Bye. That's all for now in this episode, listeners. If you have any queries or suggestions, you can reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Satya Sontanam. S A T Y A S O N T A N A M. Or you can also write to us at mintmoney at livemint dot com. Bye-bye. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Listener.